So, Father, we just thank you that we can just be together as community and just recognize just your life amongst us, your presence amongst us, your moving amongst us. I just thank you even for what Sean felt just in those words that he brought. And, Lord, I thank you that when we get together like this as a community of faith, faith is active and things happen. And, Holy Spirit, we know that you are drawn to just hungry hearts that are pursuing, loving, passionate about the wonderful person who we know to be our Lord and Savior, Jesus. And so we just thank you for heavenly activity in this room tonight. And I just thank you that even as we speak on the subject of hope, that it won't just be a topic, but it will be an encounter with the person of who you are, that people will walk out of this place overflowing with just that life that we have in you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So I'm going to be speaking on the topic of get your hopes up. Um, that's the, the title for my message. Uh, was actually a title I saw that my sister's church had been sharing on in, in Aussie, and I just loved that slide. Uh, it just spoke to me because, you know, so often the world tells us, don't get your hopes up. Uh, but when we tap into and step into and come into alignment with heaven and with the Father's promises and purposes for your life and mine, then we need to get our hopes up. We need to actually know that our hope is anchored into heavenly places. And so there's something we're going to see as we go a little bit further. But we're going to take a moment just to look at, you know, what is hope? Where does it come from? How do I receive hope? And uh, I don't know about you, but normally at the start of a year, there's a couple passages that always come up and scriptures that we see maybe on fridges, maybe on coffee mugs when you visited people at work. And one of those is Jeremiah 29, 11. It says this, a lot of us can quote it off by heart. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And one of the key things that we see there is it mentions this thing, hope. This, this, this topic, this word, this uh, person we'll see later, hope. And then it goes on to say, and a future. And you would think, but you know, why is that necessary? Surely we could just, should be able to just say, you know, I've got a future. But you know, even a future, even knowing that there's a future that someone can say is bright, that someone can say is promising, that someone can say is filled with opportunity, even people saying that over us doesn't really fill us with anything. We can still feel overwhelmed rather than overflowing in the midst of that. And there's something about even the wording here to say, first we have a hope and then we have a future. We need to have hope for our future, otherwise our future can still be hopeless. And so there's something that a man by the name of Hal Lindsay said regarding this thing called hope that uh, I'm always reminded of. He said, man can live about 40 days without food, about three days without water, about eight minutes without air, but for only one second without hope. Let me read that again. Man can live about 40 days without food, about three days without water, about eight minutes without air, but only one second without hope. Have you ever been in a situation like that where you feel to totally hopeless, where there is no way out, where there's nowhere you can turn, where there's no help that's coming to you and you feel like you are being hemmed in and there's brick walls all around and uh, the waters may be coming up and you feel like you're going down. Have you felt that before? Utterly hopeless in a situation or predicament. I've shared with you before that I was at the game reserve um, a few years ago with my family and I'd been praying for unusual sightings, unusual encounters with game. Decided to take a walk 
uh, through to Amfafa Hard and came out. There was no door on the hard. Heard something which my uh, Alaskan wife, Leanne, I think she's here, said, that sounds strange. What do you think it is? I knew what it was. Uh, and, and I walked out to step out of this hide and step into the proximity of a full-grown female lioness. I want to say in that moment, I felt hope just leave, literally. It was just, <laughs> hope was gone. Um, and I just thought, I'm going to try my best to put up a fight. I'm not going to do that. My four-year-old, my son was four years old at that time. He was by my side. I thought, I'm going to try and be a, a speed bump to this thing, but that's the best I can be, and just hope was gone in that moment. Um, there was no bravado, no sense of uh, my being able to fight this thing, just hopeless. My, my son uh, Luke had been, is Luke here tonight? No, that's good. My son Luke uh, had been, <laughs> you just gotta check these things. Eh? Uh, my son Luke had been uh, gone surfing with some friends just recently, and um, they said the swell was really big, and they started off at one beach, and I think he got overexcited, and he head out, headed out before the friends, and I think he got hit by a number of sets as they rolled in. And I got home, and my son was being very connected, very engaging, very affectionate to me. And the, I was wondering what happened in the surfing moment, but the, the story eventually came out that he just thought uh, he had lost all hope. He was under these sets. They just kept coming. Didn't know if he, I mean, he's a water polo player, and he thought, well, this is the end. I'm a goner. And uh, maybe we've had those moments. I had it surfing back in Todi, where um, also throwing away currents and, and I was being pushed all over the place. The sets were coming and hitting me and I remember just swimming and thinking, I just need to get one gasp of air. And I was swimming as hard as I could and then I hit the sand and I realized I'm in trouble. And I was totally disorientated. Fortunately, I had a leash, but that's what life can do to us. It can uh, throw currents at us and rip tides and we can feel like we're making one stride forward and we're getting pulled six strides back and maybe we've faced that. Maybe it's in disciplines and habits that we thought we're gonna come into freedom in 2020, as Sean was saying, but they've followed us into 2020. Maybe it's in your finances where you've been thinking, you know, I just wanna get my head above water so I can take in some air, but you're just not able to do that. Maybe it's in your relationships and you're trying to just bring a shape and a, a normality back to, to doing life together, but it's just tumultuous and you're just thinking, I just cannot get ahead. And I want to just take a moment this evening to, to look at the message of hope that speaks into whatever situation, whatever predicament, whatever we might be facing, because each of us here, if you're breathing, you're hoping. We're all hoping for something. There's all something we're believing for and trusting for. Uh, and I want to look at this thing of perspective and how we're engaging with hope. What angle are we coming at hope from? And uh, really, I want to pick up on um, the life of Abraham. And we're going to see it. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn to Ro Romans chapter 4, verse 18. I'm not going to put the whole scripture up. Oh, well, you can put it up there, and I, I'm going to, uh, well, let's read it. Against all hope, Abraham and hope believed, and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. And so I just want to pick up on this and look at this moment with Abraham. And you can read earlier about him in Genesis where he's given this 
promise that he's going to be the father of many nations. As it said, he's around about 100 years old. And it's a seeming, seemingly uh, impossible situation. It's a seemingly hopeless situation. That would be the natural perspective. That would be the natural angle that we would view this with. And that's what I'm wanting to look at because there's something about the shape, the perspective, the posture, the way that he walked out in hope, walked out in faith that models something for us where we can start to see in the midst of impossibilities what's possible because of the promises of God. And so verse 18 says this, Against all hope, Abraham and hope believed. Another translation puts it this way, Even when he had no reason to hope, he kept on hoping. So it's saying against all hope, in hope he believed. I mean, this scripture uh, is quite uh, one to grapple with. We're going to look at that in a moment. But let me give you my first point, and that is it, if you can put it up on the slide. Hoping against hope. Hoping against hope. How do you hope against hope? It's a, it's a bit of an oxymoron. You, you, how do you hope against the very thing that you're hoping for? I, I was trying to grapple with this, and so I searched on that phrase, um, online, and let me, let me say, you should always put as much detail into a search as you can find. I should have put scripture or something like that. Anyway, it wasn't too bad, but what I got was an article on Lord of the Rings. And then you think, well, where's this going to go? But supposedly Gandalf, in one situation, speaks about hope that goes beyond natural hope. And he refers to this, and people were weighing in, and some of the co comments were quite uh, interesting to hear, and there were some people that were quite sharp with their words, and I just want to mention three. The first comment someone put to explain what this means was, they said, maybe it's that if you have nothing, all you can have is hope. So the only thing to support your hope is hope itself. I mean, a little bit higher grade, let's move on to the second one. Another guy said, hoping against the fact that this is what it was, hoping against hope. It was hoping against the fact that in reality there is no hope. Still, not too sure what you're talking about. Third guy, we, yes for the third guy. I, I love the third guy because he jumped in and he brought up the scripture um, in terms of Romans 4 that we're looking at, verse 18. And he started to say, you know, it's a scripture and this is what it actually means. And I've got what his statement was, if we can put it up. The next slide, thank you. He said this, his definition of hope against hope. He said against his, speaking of Abraham, against his expectation of hope, he believed in a hope greater than his expectation could show him. It's quite a, just a powerful phrase. Against his expectation of hope, he believed in a hope greater than his expectation could show him. What this is showing us is that there's two aspects to hope we need to look at. There's two types of hope. That's what it's doing. It's distinguishing and separating. And there's this fight going on between these two hopes. There's my mom. Are you four foot, mom? Nia. In, in and around that, that heart. She's, she's about that heart. And Warren, who is uh, nearing, what, what are you, six, seven? Six, seven, this side. So this is our earthly hope. Mom, you're the earthly representative. We've got our earthly hope and we've got our heavenly hope, being Warren, because he's reaching those heights. And there is this fight going on. That's what's being described in this passage. And it's a, it's a fight that's raging in the midst of Abraham's life and his circumstances and what he's facing. What Paul is saying in this thing is that there needs to be, uh, we need to realize that there's a fight going on. And the choices that we are making, the way that we are aligning and leaning into either sides of this fight are determining what is being produced in our life. 
And he's saying there's something in Abraham's life here where he was fighting against all hope, against all earthly hope, he in hope believed. Against all earthly hope, he had a heavenly hope. There's this war that was raging within him, and he was leaning into this thing of earthly hope. And we all face with the struggle. We all face with these things that arise. We all face with these things that come at us. But here's the thing. If all we're leaning into is our earthly hope, then our only hope is earthly solutions. If all we're leaning into is our earthly hope, then our only hope is earthly solutions. If you're wanting your marriage to get better, better, what you're going to do if you're looking at earthly hope? You're going to have to start to work harder, try harder. You're going to have to wash the dishes and vacuum the car. You should be doing that anyway. I'm just saying um, you're going to have to work to make it happen, and you're going to have to keep working, and it's going to put the stress on you where you, you're wondering, are you winning in the midst of this thing? But there's a different way that we can do this. If we have a heavenly hope, if we're only leaning into our earthly hope, you're going to make your own plans. You're going to have to come up with your own schemes. When you don't get the promotion that you're looking for, you don't have the favor that you're wanting, you're going to have to manipulate the situation to give you the fulfillment of the earthly hope that you have. That's what's going to happen, because if all you have is earthly hope, then you're going to have to rely on earthly solutions. But here's the beauty, is that there's another sort of hope. Colossians 3 verse 1 says, since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. It's saying you need to shift your perspective. You need to know where your hope is based. You need to know where your thoughts are being shaped from because there's this battle going on between this earthly hope and heavenly hope. Colossians 1 verse 4 paints a, a broader picture of this. It says, for we have all heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people, which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You see, our earthly hope, we can be having hope for ourselves and we're trying to make sure that it meets our need. But when you are living from that place of heavenly hope, other people start to see something being uh, manifest and outworking in your life and they start to encounter something and recognize that it's based in something beyond just the present moment, and there's something transcendent about what's taking place. So the title of my message, as I've said, is this, Get Your Hopes Up. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, Get Your Hopes Up. Get Your Hopes Up. Why don't you turn to the person you ignored the first time around and say, I hope this guy knows what he's talking about. Romans 4 verse 19, let's move on. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old. I mean, this is kind of brutal here. Paul's not holding any punches. He realizes that a fight's going on. He's wanting to uh, make it visible what's happening. And he's basically saying, Abraham, listen, he's about as good as dead in this moment. You know, 100 years old, not much happening. And the beauty for me in this moment is Abraham doesn't try to pretend like he's in his 20s. He's not trying to... Um, do whatever you do to look like you're in your 20s. Maybe it's wearing white shoes and a floral top. I don't know. It's just a guess. But he knew he was 100 years old. And uh, when he looked in the mirror, he didn't, like Marilyn said last week, see the fairest of them all. He realized there ain't much hope here for this to outwork. You know, Pfizer wasn't yet on the market. Some of us will get that, some won't. But there was no hope in reality for what he had to, apologies, had to deal with. 
So here's the second point I want to bring. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact. You see, hope has a game face. You know, they say that, get your game face on. Have you heard that before? Have you seen that? If you watch American sports, they say, get your game face on. And here's the thing. He was facing the facts. He was facing it. He was getting his game face on. You know, when you look at the issues of life, they can weigh us down. They can stack up and we can feel like we've got an anchor just taking us into the depths. Disappointment might come and it lessens hope. Negative feelings might start to build up within us and, and hope starts to tank. But Abraham was a man who faced the facts, be it circumstances, be it fears, be it issues, be it failures, be it negative feelings. He faced this thing. And, uh, and here's the beauty of this moment. He was able to not ignore it, but to lean in, to take a stance and say, no, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not going to hide from this. I'm going to face up to what's going on. Maybe we've got some failures. Maybe we've got some of those negative feelings. Maybe we feel like we in this corner right here and we, we, we battling just from an earthly perspective. Maybe it feels within our marriage that it's falling apart, as I've mentioned. Maybe we're feeling that the bank account is flatlining. Maybe we're feeling, I just cannot find a job or breakthrough in my job or I can't get a promotion. Maybe it's in those things that I was hoping to come free of in 2020, but rather I'm becoming more bound and more bound and more bound. And in the midst of this moment, there's something about Abraham and the way that he tackles this moment that should speak hope into our hearts. Because it's saying we've got a hope that's greater than that which is here. And this is the essence of hope. If we can just put up the next slide. Thank you. This is the essence of hope. It's the ability to face the facts that are against you, but keep the faith of God that is within you. Isn't that great? It's the ability to face the facts that are against you, but to keep the faith of God that is within you. So hope has a game face. Why don't you turn to someone near you, show them your game face. Just give it your best. Just, just go for it. Man, there's a couple of good game faces. I've seen a couple of wives showing it, and I've seen the husbands just cowering. Good game faces, everyone. I found a meme that I like that uh, made me pull a face that I was laughing at myself for quite a while. If we can go to the next slide. It's a dating coach helping someone. And the dating coach says to this individual, so you tried flirting? And the person responded, sure. I gave her the look. And the dating coach said, well, show me. And so he bit his lip seductively. The dating coach responded, well, have you considered biting your bottom lip? <laughs> A little, little bit of a game face going on there. And Abraham's facing the facts. He's leaning in. He's not afraid to do so. And uh, we hear this, that without wavering, he's facing the facts. Yet actually, if you look at it about a thousand years earlier, when Abraham has this moment that God encounters him in this moment, we see that he does waver. There is a wavering that takes place. If you go back to Genesis, and where God tells him, you're going to be the father of many nations, it says he fell at his feet and he laughed because he was facing the facts from an earthly perspective. But the beauty of the moment is he didn't stay there. But he started to rally and take off his focus off um, the earthly reality of his physicality, and he started to 
tap into heaven's realities and the promises of God. And when he started to do that, there was an unwavering uh, disposition and demeanor that came about him, and it was recognized so that Paul, even thousands of years later, would say this of him, that he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promises of God. He wavered in unbelief considering the facts that he was facing about himself. You know, I don't have what it takes. I don't have the ability. I don't have the capacity. I don't have the wisdom. I don't have the intelligence. I don't have the whatever it might be. I don't have that. And I'm wavering in that place. But when he shifted his focus and perspective and caught the heartbeat and started to lean into heaven's reality, suddenly he started to be unwavering upon the promises of God, and something starts to shift within him. Verse 20, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God. Continues to say, but he was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. But he was strengthened in his faith. Uh, I want to encourage us here. There's something that's been coming up over and over again. You know, the start of the year, I spoke about um, pace, and uh, Rich has been speaking into that, and I spoke about the power of waiting, the power of wait. And Rich picked up on that again today, and it just spoke to me um, that there's something about waiting, that there's a power that is released as we wait on God. There's something that takes place in that moment. And I was looking up, and one commentary put it this way, concerning Abraham, as he was waiting on God on the promise. It said this, his faith was actually increased as the time of waiting went on. When you're waiting, you're not doing a frivolous thing, a meaningless thing. You're not just wasting time. Waiting is not wasting. But when you are waiting on God, you are starting to increase in your spiritual capacity and faith and in your ability to carry the breakthrough that God is wanting to bring through you. The the beautiful thing when you look through Scripture, anyone that came and came before Jesus or fell at His feet or waited before Him, be they, uh, they might have been prostitutes, lepers, they might have been deaf or blind, they might have been um, battling with issues of blood, whatever it is, what, whoever you see that comes and puts themselves at the feet of Jesus and waits upon Him doesn't leave without receiving their miracle or breakthrough. There's a power in waiting. And I know that some of you are waiting on things. And I want to encourage you to keep waiting. Don't let your, your hope be deferred. Because this is the thing with wavering. It's like when you see that word wave that I mentioned earlier. It's like when you're being tossed to and fro and it's hitting you and beating you. And there's no steadiness there. That's what's happening when you're wavering. It's like you're being pushed in every direction. And it's saying this, that he didn't waver. There was a higher hope he put his trust in. Hebrews 10 verse 23 says this, let us seize and hold tightly the confession of our hope. Watch this. Without wavering, for he who promised is reliable and trustworthy and faithful to his word. We can hold firmly, we can hold tightly the confession of our hope because he is faithful. We can have faith in his faithfulness. So my my third point is this. Hope has a balance. Won't you stand? One moment, just stand with me, just one leg. Just lift your other leg up high. Stand as best as you can. Man, I'm a bad balancer compared to all of you. Keep standing, don't put your foot down. As we're looking at this, you see, this is what, you're not higher. You're not doing what I thought you would be doing. There's there's too many uh, athletes in this room for my liking. But uh, what happens is, you see, this is what happens when there's uh, earthly hope. We can waver. I'm just going to have to help this out. If I I push this guy, but there's going to be a bit more wavering. And what happens is we start to have to counterbalance. If you waver to the right, you're pushing out to the left. And there's this aspect going on. It's this picture 
I get of a tightrope, but don't, don't put your legs down here. You can switch legs, switch legs. Try the other side. Maybe you got your best leg and my, my illustration is failing. But um, you see with the tightrope, you know, you know what the actual word for that is a funambulist. Will you say that with me? Funambulist. Okay, you can sit down. My illustration's not working. A funambulist. And what they've got is when they cannot balance, they've got this pole. And you know what? If they didn't have this pole, the funambulist on the tightrope wouldn't experience fun, but would have to go in an ambulance somewhere. Because we need this, you won't forget that word, you need this, this pole to be this counterbalance. And that's what heavenly hope does. My son's been playing with my iPad and he keeps switching off on me. That's what this heavenly hope does. It comes and it's a counterbalance to the, the situations that we are facing and it brings balance to us so that we no longer waver doesn't mean that the facts aren't still there. It doesn't mean that your finances are suddenly afloat. It doesn't mean that your relationship is suddenly perfect, but it provides this counterbalance. And as we sing in Abraham's life, it's, it's him saying, you know, I might be old, but I'm going to face that fact. And I'm going to hope against hope. I'm going to not waver on the promises of God. I'm going to, in the midst of facing these facts, I'm going to get my game face on and I'm going to stand strong and I'm not going to be moved. I'm not going to be shifted. I'm not going to be shaken. I'm not going to be stirred. It sounds a little bit like a James Bond movie. I'm not going to allow any of those things to happen. Why? It's because I have a living hope. And this is what I just love. We have this living hope. And so it brings us into this place where we don't hope so. We know so. Where it's not that the facts aren't true, but it's that our hope is truth. Where it's not that the facts don't need to be faced, but it's that our hope affords us grace. And so there's this shift that starts to take place that our hope isn't based on a circumstance or a feeling, but our hope is based on a person and his name is Jesus. And so we get to live in a hope that we don't, uh, we don't hope so, we know so because I know my hope and I know who he is, and my hope is alive in me, and he's bringing this balance where I seem to have been out of balance. He's standing me up, he's buoying me, and he's anchoring me into his promises, and he's not an earthly hope, but he's the hope of the world. That's the beauty of what we find in Jesus, and that's what we're seeing here, that there's not a wavering, and so when we look at this, as we see with Abraham, there's this counterbalance, as I've been saying. So when I look at my bank account, and it might be empty. There's this counterbalance of the promise of God, which I can stand on, which says he will supply my every need according to his riches in glory. I love that he doesn't supply my needs according to earthly riches. It's according to his riches in glory. I shared this in the morning previously, but if our marriage is in a tumultuous place, the promise and the counterbalance that we get to lean into is this, that what he says God says this, what I have joined together, let no man separate. There's something about God's handiwork, his, his blueprint, his design, his fingerprints upon your marriage and his uh, presence in the midst of your marriage that is the third cord that is tying you together, that's bringing a unity and a beauty to who you've been called to be. And it brings a balance to what you might be facing when you realize that's the promise that you have in God. And so there's this counterbalance that comes. And in verse 21, it goes on to say that Abraham, being fully persuaded, will you say that with me? Say fully persuaded. Fully persuaded. When was the last time you were fully, fully persuaded about something? That Abraham, being fully persuaded, 
He was fully persuaded of this, that God had the power to do what He had promised. He was fully persuaded that God had the power to do what He had promised. When you look at that, you, you, um, you might find that uh, you, in the midst of that moment, maybe you're persuaded enough to believe the promise, but you need to be fully persuaded if you're wanting to receive the promise. That's the difference. If you've persuaded, you might believe it, but when you're fully persuaded, you get to receive it. And this is where Abraham was. He was fully persuaded in God's promises, even when he realized in the natural there was absolutely no way that this could outwork, that this could happen, that he could have um, a son and be the father of many nations. And then my last point, we can put it up, is this, hope has one source. Hope has one source. See, every dealer has a source, right? We know that from the movies. None of us know that in person, I'm sure. But every dealer uh, has a source, someone that he goes to. And you might have seen it in the movies that they amble up to someone and they say, hey, can you help me out here? And the person's response is, I know a guy. I know a guy. I can make it happen for you. I can bring this around. And the question is, where are we drawing hope from? And the beauty is we should be so overflowing, not overwhelmed. We should be in such a place of overflow as we read earlier that people are able to draw up to us, come near to us and ask us what is the reason for this hope, for this joy, for this peace, for these aspects that are visible, tangible in your life and we should be able to respond and to say that I know a guy. uh, Ephesians 4 verse 4 says this. You see, before I say that, we need to know where we are getting our hope from. Because if we're not getting it from our heavenly source, we're going to look at it from earthly sources. We're going to be hoping to give hope and to receive hope from those places. Maybe we're hoping to receive hope from Facebook or Instagram, maybe Twitter or Pinterest. You can't do it from TikTok. I'm pretty sure about that. I've I've tried to check TikTok out. It's never going to happen in my life, although I do enjoy singing. You're not going to get hope from those places. You're not going to give hope from those places. It comes from one place. Ephesians 4 verse 4 says this. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Isn't that beautiful? There's one source. There's one place where we get to tap into this heartbeat of God. It's coming from where He is. Hebrews 6 says, I have this hope as an anchor for my soul. Not looking for it, not wishing for it. I've got it, I have it. It's here, I have this hope. It says, and I'm reading from the Amplified, I have this hope, this confidence assurance that we have an anchor for our soul. It cannot slip, it cannot break down under whatever pressure bears upon it. Whatever pressure is bearing upon you. It is safe and steadfast. It's a hope that enters within the veil of the holy temple that most holy place in which the very presence of God dwells. I love that our hope can't slip, can't be moved, it can't break, it can't fail. It's secure in the person of who He is. And maybe you faced, as Sean was saying, some of that tumultuous seas. Maybe you felt that as we're sailing on the the seas of life, there have been those waves that have come and tossed us to and fro. When you look at that word, uh, as it's defined in the Scriptures, it means this, those waves that toss us to and fro. It means to be vexed, with grievous pain of body or mind. It means to be tormented. And maybe you felt that place a little bit in in your soul. You felt you've been a bit tormented and and vexed, as it said here. We know your soul is your mind, your will, 
your emotions. And when those storms of life come, that's where the battle often rages. But this is the beauty. We have an anchor, and it's not an anchor that is weighing us down, but it's an anchor that is pulling us up, and it's an anchor that holds us, won't slip, won't fail. It is always steady in the midst of those times. And so that's the promise that we have. And as I started off by saying, my desire is that we're not walking out of this place overwhelmed, but that we're walking out of this place overflowing. So I want to just read a beautiful scripture to finish with. It's Romans 15, 13, the last verse I want to read. And it's picking up on this thing of knowing that hope's a gift. Hope's something that we get to receive. Hope's something that God gives us. We don't have to stir it up and try and make it happen on our own regard. We get to receive it from His heart. Romans 15 verse 13 says this, Now may God, the inspiration and fountain of hope, watch this, fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace. See, what does hope bring? It brings uncontainable joy and perfect peace. That's what it brings. You know, if you're thinking that if I only get a million rand, if I only get a million rand, what could I do with a million rand? If I only get that, there's going to be uncontainable joy, and I'm going to feel a little bit of peace. But I want to say that's running after earthly hope, and it's not going to anchor you into the very purposes, promises, and presence of what Jesus is offering. There's only one source. So I want to read this verse again, but I'm going to ask you this time to stand. Both feet, don't worry. If you can just raise your hands, I want to pray, with, pray this through for us. Sean's word spoke to you. I just want you to open your heart. I just want you to make a decision that you're not wanting to hold on to your earthly hope, your own ability, your own capacity to try and make it happen and force it through. But you say, no, Lord, I want to, I want to stand on your promises. I want to stand on that, on that unwavering ground. Now may God, the inspiration and fountain of hope, fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in Him. And may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with His superabundance until you radiate with hope. Lord, I just thank you that even as we read your word, it is living and active. And I thank you that it is sharper than any two-edged sword and that it ministers to the deepest parts of us. And Lord, I just pray that you come and you cut away disappointment, you cut away um, discouragement, you cut away hopelessness. And I thank you, Lord, that you just impart your life and your hope. I pray that there would be that uncontainable joy and perfect peace that just starts to fill us here. And I pray, Lord, not only would we be filled, but Lord, that we would start to overflow. I pray that there would be a flow of hope from our lives that other people would be able to step into, that as they do that, they taste of the goodness of who you are and heaven's realities. I just declare that over us, speak it over us, and release that over us as a house. In Jesus' name, and we say, amen. Amen. amen.